At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. There's a change happening in the way we live. The way we work. The way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest is someone I discovered online and knew that our missions were totally aligned. Colin McIntosh is the CEO of Sheets and Giggles, a sustainable bedding company that makes sheets from eucalyptus trees grown on sustainably managed and biodiverse farms. Also, for every tree harvested, two more are planted. Their ethical business model means they give back to the community through donations to World Wildlife Fund, COVID-19 relief and non-profits in their local communities. Whilst Colin and I were all about the sheet, we both have a passion for making a difference and spreading collective change globally. I hope this episode changes some of your perspectives around the way you spend your money. Welcome, Colin, to The Ethical Evolution. Thanks, Mindy. Appreciate you having me. Now, uh, I am so uh, lucky to have you with us today. I've been trying to chase you for quite some time through a pandemic, um, and uh, <laughs> you're you're based in Colorado. Um, can you um, tell us who you are and what you do? Sure thing. So yeah, I'm in Denver, like you said, and um, my I'm founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. Um, and if you haven't heard of us, spoiler alert. We make bed sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we actually make bedding out of uh, a material called Lyle cell, which is made from eucalyptus trees. And it's sustainable. It uses far less water than cotton production, no petrochemicals, unlike polyester, um, and no insecticides either. Whereas cotton can use about 16 to 24% of the world's insecticides in any given year. So, um, including neonicotinoids, which are killing bird and bee populations. So, um, our, our sheets are considered one of the most sustainable fabrics that you can sleep on. And um, they're also quite lovely too. They're lower surface friction, more breathable, more cooling. Uh, and so for the summer, they're, they're a total dream. No pun intended. <laughs> now, um, I, I, act, I actually found it really fascinating um, that, that the sheets are, are based on eucalyptus being from Australia, you know. Sure. Our koalas love eucalyptus. Um, so um, how did you stumble upon that? Uh, well, so just, and also to clarify, we don't take any, I know, you know, probably know this, we don't take any, uh, eucalyptus trees from natural forest or from Australia at all. We 
source our trees from uh, biodiverse farms that are renewable farms to that grow everything from bruce uh, spruce to beechwood to pine um and so uh, our trees are uh, on uh, source from canada sweden uh india and south africa on rotation and so um <clears throat> in terms of how i came up with it it's not something that i you know personally invented i wish i had um but it's something that's uh actually an austrian invention it's been around for a couple decades, but it's never really been popularized. It's my dog, Harvey, by the way, in the background. Uh, Checking it's out never the really been pop- Yeah, exactly. He likes to burrow. And there's a thunderstorm outside, so he's oh. a little scared right now. Um, but it was actually never popularized too much in the U.S. And so I discovered this material about four years ago when I was researching and, and starting the company up. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I, and I tried to do some research, and I found out that cotton – represents about a third of the home textile market. Polyester represents about two thirds. There's some other stuff sprinkled in there, you know, bamboo, viscose and silk and a few other things. But really it's it's poly, polyurethane is the big, big home textile. And so I was curious as to what the issue was, why it hadn't been really, hadn't really caught on in the US before or really that many other countries besides the US either. And so uh, I, I started sleeping on it. I realized I can absolutely build a company around this. And uh, that's how Sheets of Giggles was born, was a desire to build a, a really great company with really terrific products that um, don't kill the planet, only make them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, your mission is, is largely around sustainability. Am I right? It is. But we also, we, you know, we've got a weird brand obviously she's giggles <laughs> bit of a laugh and um and so we get we actually have a lot of leeway to kind of do uh really whatever we want in terms of uh corporate social responsibility and so last year you know for example we donated uh forty thousand dollars to uh the COVID 19 relief fund here in colorado uh we plant the tree for every order uh that's tens of thousands of trees planted now um, and, uh, we also have donated about $20,000 to the world wildlife foundation, to their koala conservation fund, which I think goes directly to Australian reforestation efforts. Um, you know, we, we donated to over 125 different charities over our, our four year existence. And, um, so for me, it, it's really, uh, bro- I guess the sustainability is like the, the core piece of the product. But in terms of the brand and the team, we just kind of talk internally and pick different causes to support. And our brand allows us that really broad um, depth because no one really expects us to take ourselves too seriously in any one direction. Yeah, and I love that. You know, while you're growing, you're actually giving back. So, um, and and in turn, it actually supports you because if you're supporting those industries, it's it's just going to flow back. Yeah. I'm a big believer in good karma. I said last year, you know, when we when we donated to um, the COVID-19 relief fund, we, you know, we have outside investors, right? And I got some flack from those investors. They said, you know, hey, we, we you know, funded a business, not a charity. You, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic. You should, you know, be careful about what you're about what you're doing with your money. And I said, yeah, you know, I think that a small business, you know, we're, we're a very small team, you know, less than 10 people. I said, I think a small business donating this amount of money, you know, forty thousand dollars, it's a pretty big story, mm-hmm. and, and it represented twenty percent of our sales for about thirty days. And I said, you know, let's just we're, we're going to do this. It's galvanizing to the team. We want to do it. We feel like it's a good way to give back to our community, who's been very supportive of the company as we've started up. And um, you know, I think it'll come back to us, is what I told them. And sure enough, 
eight months later, uh, we were on Good Morning America, which is one of the biggest shows um, on ABC. And and uh, we were the small business spotlight for Black Friday, specifically because they had caught wind of our donations and wanted to have us on uh, on the program. So that's really huge. Cool. That's huge. Yeah. Getting Black Friday on Good Morning America. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, was, it was it was unbelievable. The brand recognition, the, the lead that we got from that, the partner requests, like, and it, and I got to call my investors who, <laughs> you know, were the naysayers and say, "Hey, hope did you watch Good Morning America today?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice so, one. <laughs> yeah, it all comes back. Um, so, I mean, what kind of impact are you making so far um, with with what you're doing? Uh, I mean, the, I think the impact is, like I said, it's pretty broad. Uh, water conservation, we've saved. Um, you know, I I can't I don't even know the number anymore. It would have to be nearly a hundred million gallons of water versus, uh, cotton production. Um, and of course, you know, it's not like water disappears, but in terms of the raw usage, it's important to reduce it because as global population grows, the amount of fresh water that we consume for things other than drinking needs to shrink. Mm. Um, and so, and so, you know, we've, it's a reduction we think of and it's estimated, right? It's all, it's all stuff where you research and you figure out how much a single cotton t-shirt can use 2,500 liters of water. Cotton bed sheets can use 4,000 liters of water. Our sheets use about 150, 160. And so it's a massive reduction of of water usage and over, you know, a hundred thousand units, it can add up very quickly. Um, so I think that's that's approximately three or four hundred million liters that we estimate that we've we've saved now, um, and then from a an insecticide usage perspective, uh, can't quantify it. Cotton, mm. cotton uses two point four percent of the world's arable land, so it uses about one twenty fifth of the farmland available in the world just for cotton, um, and that is an and it's a it's a disproportionately amount or user of insecticides as well, especially those neonicotinoids I referred to earlier, which are killing the birds and the bees. So um, I don't know. It's impossible to quantify how much of that we've saved, but certainly a, you know, a decent amount. Um, And then uh, the really cool thing that I'm starting to clue in on more is the polyester side of the equation. So polyester is the number one source of microplastics in the ocean um, and waterways. And the average human being is now eating a credit card's worth of plastic every week and the water that we drink and the food that we eat. And that's all from doing laundry <laughs> with your polyester stuff. And so, uh, you know, each polyester sheet set, we've done the math. Um, if you wash it on hot, it can release up to 10 million um, microplastic fibers per wash with that amount of square yardage of the fabric with polyester. And so if you are somebody who washes your sheets once a month, which is little, little infrequent, but yeah. <laughs> pretty average, uh, then, then that means that a single polyester sheet set can leach a hundred million microplastic fibers, one sheet set. And so it, you know, we, we estimate that we've saved trillions of, of microplastic, uh, fibers compared to polyester. That is insane. Absolutely crazy. insane. It's great. It's crazy. The amount... And, and, you know, in home textiles, the amount of things that are made from polyurethane, rugs, car, or carpet, uh, your, you know, your curtains, your towels, uh, your, um, you know, your bath mats, uh, your, your shower curtain. And all these things not only leach it into the waterways when you wash them, but they also bleed it into the airways, the microfiber, microplastic fibers 
they shed in the air. So if you wear polyester or you sleep in polyester sheets, microfiber, right? You're breathing in these these plastic microfibers, and it it the long term effects haven't been studied, but um, you know, I'm assuming it's not great. <laughs> that like yeah, I as you know, I speak to so many people from around the world on on this kind of subject, um, and 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 health as well, and um, my my naturopath and I um talk about you know these kind of things as well, and and like. My mom's a naturopath as well. Oh, as well so, there you go. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, babies are being born now with with plastic in them. Like it's crazy. That it's crazy. is it, just insane. And it's and it's all and it's all because of price. It's all because 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 they're petrochemical based. So it's just about the price of a barrel of oil. And um, you know, there there's a like I don't want to knock plastics and and synthetics too hard because. Certainly, you know, like plastic polymers have have changed yeah. the world, and so I'm, I'm, you know, there's there's definitely a certain amount of utility there that's undeniable, and so, um, but in terms of the the proliferation that that has happened to where every single fat, I mean, you know, you go online, you look for, you know, you go to rugs.com, yeah, or you go to, you know, you look, you're looking for curtains at West Elm or whatever, and this is an American centric retailer. We actually have that here. one here. Okay, well, terrific. Yeah. Yep. And 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 they have a they have a lot a lot of products, but all the most popular options with the with the highest reviews, it's always the same thing. Oh my gosh, these curtains are so beautiful, especially for the price. And and that's the that's the thing is that is people don't realize what they're putting into their homes for the, you know, maybe fifty or hundred dollar trade off. Yeah, and that's I guess the whole purpose behind this podcast is actually to get people to think about their decisions on where they spend their money. Um, and how it impacts not only themselves but the planet. And, um, you know, recently I caught up with uh, Jeff Garner from Prophetic. Uh, he's a, a ethical fashion designer to the stars and he actually makes all his own fabrics and dyes and everything and is doing quite a lot with hemp at the moment. Oh, yeah, um, hemp's fantastic. And, yeah. um, you know, just um, the conversation I had with him, we talked about how fabrics also impact your skin and your health. So, you know, like when mm. your skin breaks out, it's usually because of the fabrics that you're wearing on your body, like when you're perspiring. Totally. And, and, and our sheets are actually dermatologist recommended for, for sensitive skin and hair. It's also, you know, when you wear polyester, it's, it's the fabric, but it's also the pooling of moisture. So polyester mm. doesn't really evaporate moisture quickly. So if you sweat into it, um, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, stay there. So your sheets, for example, polyester sheets, they famously have a really bad smell to them very quickly. Mm. If you sleep in them for a week, because what's ha- it's not you, right? It's not it's not the moisture. It's the bacteria growth mm. in in the moisture, and so the same is true for for clothing. If you you know if it's a bacteria rich environment where it's an or uh, I would say a, a friendly environment, bacteria friendly environment, it will grow. And so that's the other thing about our sheets that I love is they're so arid and they evaporate moisture so quickly that they don't give bacteria a chance to to grow. Mm. It's a it's a win win really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, exactly. But no, that's, that sounds like a really interesting conversation. I'll have mm. to listen to it. There's a lot happening in sustainable fashion right now that really gives me a lot of hope. Mm. Um, but the, the 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 thing that I think is so my girlfriend's really good at this. She'll buy secondhand a lot. She'll go to she'll go to thrift stores and buy a lot of secondhand. Um, and uh, but and I and I also recognize that like some of this comes from a partially privileged position because you know. Um, 
the cost of goods of sustainable goods is always going to be not always, but like right now, because of the difference in the scale of cotton production and polyester production versus, you know, maybe a eucalyptus lyle cell or a hemp, the difference in scale is massive. And mm. so you end up having so many more sources for raw materials, so many more sources for production, um, you know, and, and so many more people who are working on it, who have an expertise in that space. And so the cost of a cotton sheet set is about one third ours. And the cost of a polyester sheet set is about one tenth. And so, you know, the, the, there is a real privileged piece in this where I'm saying, yeah, you know, spend a little bit more money on the sustainable fabrics, but not everybody can do that. And so, you know, one of our, one of our, and I totally recognize that sometimes you just got to buy what you can afford or, or, mm. you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but what I, what we're working on is just trying to figure out how to make it more affordable. And maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a, a blend with hemp, you know, or, or, or another sustainable material. Um, maybe we do some, some recycled polyester. Uh, there's a really cool new innovation where they're able to actually make recycled polyester biodegradable now, um, which is a really cool new innovation. Um, so there's a few different things that, that we're looking at to make the cost go down, but it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate that sustainable materials tend to be more expensive because of the smaller batches of production. Yeah, well, we hope with time that changes as as it flips the other way. As demand grows, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, as the man as demand grows, supply grows, and so goes the world. Mm. <clears throat> so, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in in you know the work that you do? Well, just running a business is a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's there's no easy days. Um, there's no easy um, no easy problems or challenges. Uh, you know, managing a team of other human beings with their, their emotions and, and, you know, lives and, and, you know, the things that you have to balance there and, um, you know, running a multi-million dollar P and L and, and income statement and, um, and, uh, you know, logistics in a COVID world are completely broken. Mm. So international and domestic freight and duties and, um, you know, storage and, and shipping, um, I can, it can be a real nightmare where, you know, we, we've, uh, lost a lot of money in the last year on some of this stuff. And it's, it's been a real challenge to operate through the last 12 months or so. So, um, really just running the business, <laughs> the piece of it. uh, and then, and then forecasting is a total pain. We're, we're out right now on every single color of queen sheets, except for white. Really? And for, you know, American consumers, I, I love them. I'm one of them. They don't understand how forecasting works by and large, you know, like people who work in, you know, in planning and in retail do, but people who don't don't. And so, you know, you get a lot of angry emails where, where's the, where's the queen green? Where's the queen purple? <laughs> like, where's the, where's the queen blue? It's like, guys, like we have all the other sizes. We're just out of the, you know, the queen red. We're sorry. Like it's, we, we make these decisions three months ago. <laughs> like, you know, like it's our, then you're growing so fast that inventory planning is a total nightmare. Always, always will be, always has been for any consumer good. Mm. And it sounds like you you had some challenges through through COVID as well. Yeah, yeah, we had our supply chain shut down for 90 days um, for worker safety, and and that was the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, we had, the logistics costs have gone through the roof. Freight's doubled. Um, end user shipping with FedEx and UPS has gone up up very high. Um, 
there's a worker shortage, of course, because people are you know trying to stay safe, and and uh, so there's a port worker shortage, there's a carrier worker shortage, um, and uh, you know there and there's you know nothing wrong with people not wanting to work right now and and not risking their lives. Totally understand that, um, but uh, it just causes real strain on a on a business model and and on distribution. Um, and then, uh, we had, you know, some inventory funding that was pulled from us when the credit markets tightened up and people were getting skittish about, mm. uh, you know, the markets going haywire. Um, we have had, uh, we had a 30% drop in sales for quite a while, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but overall, you know, I think that it's actually, we've been able to donate some money and we've gotten through it. And I think that, um, we've come out on the other side in a really strong position, and uh, I'm also very grateful for some of the government programs that that helped small businesses get through the last year. And, um, you know, not all my friends are so lucky, so I can't complain too much. I have I have friends whose entire businesses went up in smoke in, mm. in a week and a half, you know, wedding, wedding businesses, travel businesses. Um, and so I, you know, I just count my blessings. Yeah. And, you know, I guess on, on the lighter side, um, you're probably seeing that there's a, a greater uptake in, in online shopping since COVID as well. So that's that's got to be a benefit to your business. That's the piece that we didn't <clears throat> anticipate in the beginning of the pandemic because for the first few months, people were really only buying toilet paper. <laughs> uh, and then, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it was. I still don't understand. It was, it was like, exactly the same. Don't understand why. It was like if there's ever an actual zombie apocalypse, <laughs> now that, that, now I know all those movies that are, are inaccurate because they're in the, and they go to the grocery stores, there's still toilet paper <laughs> on the shelves. And that's not, apparently that's the first thing that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, th- I always thought not to get gross or an aside or anything, but I always thought if like there was really like a disaster where I could not get my hands on toilet paper, you know, wiping my ass would be the least of my concerns <laughs> at that point. You know what I mean? Like that's like a societal breakdown type of, well, yeah. Any, yeah, but anyway, um, sorry. Uh, so, so the thing we didn't anticipate in the beginning of the pandemic was that uh, there would be this longer time frame for it, right? Everyone thought it was going to kind of be a, a two or three month in and out of our operation. Now, maybe in Australia, it died down because people were, um, you know, following the recommendations. But here in America, uh, people don't like following recommendations. <laughs> People don't like following anything, really, uh, and so and so. Uh, you know, we ended up going on quite a long time, and um, you know, month three or four, I think people started to settle into their homes and say, "Yeah, you know, we're going to be here for a while. Uh, let's uh, let's make the space more comfortable." So yeah. we definitely saw an uptick in the home category. We saw an uptick in the bedding category, an uptick in e-commerce overall. Huge acceleration, four to six years worth of e-commerce adoption acceleration. So overall, long term, I think this is going to be a good thing for e-commerce, but it was a huge stress test and and we're still, you know, in the middle of it. Yeah, I know. I I myself took that same kind of tact in, you know, if I'm going to be here a while, I'm actually going to make it comfortable for myself. Right. And so I started to do a little bit of home improvement and, you know, um, you know, bought new lounges and things like that. And then um, I actually had bought a home gym. It took me seven months just to get the home gym. It was on back order that much because of right, all right. of these things that people wanted during the pandemic, you know. The amount of, the amount of impulse buying was crazy. You couldn't get a, Pel- a Peloton bike in the U.S. for like something like like three months. Yeah. And so I, I locked out in March. I bought in the beginning of March, I bought those adjustable 
free weights that, mm. you know, you can do five to yep. 50 pounds. And then they were sold out at the end, by the end of March. And they didn't, Bowflex didn't have inventory for another like four months in the, in that, that specific thing. And so I was trapped at home with free weights and a yoga mat. And I, I ended up losing 20 pounds during the pandemic. <laughs> because I was just meal, meal prepping on Sundays and, <laughs> Staying in, staying in and don't have anything to do, might as well hit the weights. And, you know, it, was, it ended up being a good thing for, for me physically. Yeah. But. So, and I think, you know, this this uptake in e-commerce is, is here to stay by the look of it. I mean. Um, totally, totally. It, it's not slowing yeah. down. Mm-mm. And once, I mean, once a company captures a customer, they, you know, you see your email inbox, they hold on to you like grim death. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Colin, I have to ask you, can you define for me what being ethical means to you? Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a religious guy anymore. Um, not that there's anything wrong with, wrong with being religious. I, but I did grow up Catholic. And um, the cool thing about growing up Catholic, you go to Catholic school, you take a world religions class. You learn that every religion sort of has some variation of the golden rule. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's the thing that I really try to follow is just treat other people the way that I like to be treated and, and do things that I think are, uh, net positives. You know, you live here for 80 years and then you're gone. Um, and so you want to leave the world a better place than you found it and hopefully lead a life that you can be proud of and that your family and, and friends can be proud of. And, you know, that, that's what ethical being ethical means to me is, is, um, you know, doing, doing the right thing. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty basic uh, definition, but I feel like it, um, you know, sometimes when people have to choose between doing the right thing or doing, doing what's best for them, or, you know, when nobody's looking, people will take shortcuts and, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm holier than thou and, and that I don't ever, you know, do things out of convenience, but, um, you know, I think being ethical is about treating others and, and acting the way that you would prefer other people, uh, act. Mm, couldn't agree more. And, you know, I always say there's no wrong answer to that. It's all, it's all perspective and, and how you've been influenced. So, um, I completely agree with, uh, with your answer. Now, um, what are, what are the future plans, uh, for, for you and, and Sheets and Giggles? Oh, we have a lot of plans. Um, king size plans, you could say. <laughs> uh, but we, we, uh, we were designing a sustainable mattress, um, right now. And so we're going to be coming out with a full mattress suite in 2022, um, which is really exciting. I never anticipated doing something like that. Uh, right now, most mattresses in the United States are, uh, foam, they're polyurethane again. So you're sleeping in polyester sheets on, in polyurethane Mm. foam. And again, people love it because it's like, Oh my God, it's a soft mattress for $500. And it's like, yeah, man. But like, again, it's all poly, like this whole, and this whole industry, Anyway, um, I mean, that's what happens when you don't, you don't pay people living wages, right? Is they've got, you know, mm. they got to buy cheap products. So, um, you know, I, that's the biggest thing on the horizon for us. I'm really excited about that. Pillows, uh, sustainable bed frame, uh, sustainable mattress toppers, protectors. Uh, you know, we might d- dabble into some apparel before long, which I'm really excited about. This material is so fantastic. I want to wear it all the time. Um, and then uh, the other thing I'm really working on. So we do zero plastic packaging mm-hmm. for all of our all of our packages. We do cardboard cardboard boxes that are really you yep. know quite lovely, and um, no it's plastic nice. in here either. Mm. And um, 
I want to do the same thing for a mattress. I'm not sure if you've ordered a bed in the box before, but if you have, it usually comes vacuum sealed and yeah. wrapped in enough, plas- enough plastic to, to, to kill a yak. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I really, right now we're working on a couple cool new innovations with um, plant-based plastic. So we might be able to have biodegradable plant-based wrap on the mattress to avoid having the single use plastic nightmare. Um, and then, uh, the other, the other piece of it is we might actually be able to ship them totally free in the box, but it's going to take some finagling with these machines that, that, that everybody uses to fold these mattresses into a box size. So right now we're building the mattress. I got prototype in my guest room. Um, and overall the vision for the company is, we're, we started with sheets, comforters, and duvet covers, right? That's our core. We've mm-hmm. got throw blankets now uh, and, of course, extra pillowcases. But really, we're doing this with, with four product categories right now and three hero categories. Um, and what I'm struggling with right now is that people are uh, – when they buy a sheet set, they buy a duvet cover or comforter, they're bleeding into other people's ecosystems because they say, oh, oh my gosh, I love these sheets. These are the best sheets I ever had. Let me go buy my pillows from Sheets and Giggles. Uh, and they yeah. can't. And so, and so we're losing them to other ecosystems, unsustainable ecosystems, because they're not going to wait to buy the product they need. And so in year, in year four of the business next year, we really need to do a sustainable bedroom suite and make sure that we have every piece of the bedroom covered uh, for folks. And then in 2023, I'm looking forward to expanding that into sustainable home. So Mm. that's the curtains, the rugs, uh, the bathroom uh, and, and, and towels and bath mats and, uh, shower curtains and and I think that we can you know dish towels we can make everything out of our out of our uh, eucalyptus lyle cell and there's uh, there's no reason why people have to keep using the same old you know cheap polyester crap so uh, I'm really excited for that type of expansion. That's incredible. Imagine the impact you're going to make if you get to that. If we can pull this off, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> we got a lot. We got you know the the the, the thing about good companies and, and people with good ethos. And I, I, I hope I consider myself in that category. Right. Um, is that you start making some money, you start, you know, you start pulling a million dollars a month out of the betting market. Uh, you start to put a target on your back people, you know, and, and they don't care, you know, the other, other competitors, other companies, they don't care how ethical we are or how good our products for the, are for the planet or planting a tree for every order. They don't they hate us. They, 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 you know what I mean? Like they, they want us gone. We're, we're causing a problem for them. So as much as we're doing good in the world, we're causing a problem for the industry. And so, uh, I, I, once you get to a point where you start pulling out, you know, a million bucks or so a month from the market, you, you, that's when people really start to put a target on your back. And so that's what we're dealing with now is, is people are starting to gun for us. And, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta stay heads down and execute and, um, make sure we take good care of our customers, and I think everything will work out. But wouldn't it be amazing, Colin, if those people who are putting a target on your back actually came and joined forces with you? Well, I would love that. I, I you know, people ask me all the time. Investors, they they say, you know, what if what if you know Casper, which is a big big you know U.S. betting company, what if Casper or Bed Bath and Beyond or somebody buy you know comes in and makes you up the sheets? I said, great, great, that's awesome. Like you know what I mean? Like if they, like if they see a market need for this, if they want to evangelize the category for me, if they want to train people that eucalyptus is a fabrics category, people don't even know that it's a fabrics category. Exactly. You know, right now we're taking right now. We're, if we take 80% of a pie, that's this big versus 20% of a pie. That's, you know, this big, like 
I'm cool with that. Mm. Um, and more, more than okay with that. And so I, uh, I really hope that they start to release their own, uh, eucalyptus, you know, products. And I think that the whole, the whole industry and, and world will be better off for it because the less cotton you're buying, the less polyester you're making, the better we all are. There you go, Colin. You are actually part of the ethical evolution and you are leading it by um, showing others the way. Oh, just, I just, I don't know. I don't want to think too highly of myself. I just, I started a, a punny bedsheets company <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it's working out so well. And I think that the part of the authenticity of the company is that people can kind of sense that we don't take ourselves too seriously and um, that I want to continue that, you know, as, as big as we get, uh, you know, let's say we double the business or triple the business again in the next year or two. Like, um, I don't know. I still, I still just think of it as my weird little betting company that I started, you know, in my bathrobe. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I seriously think that, you know, through what you're doing, those, those, those bigger companies are going to wake up and say, look, we can't keep doing things the way we used to anymore because, you know, I, buyers are going to the, shift. They're going to shift. The consumer, the consumer sentiment shifts. Mm. Exactly. The, and the, you know, now the, the, the advantage you have as a small company is speed, right? So, you know, they might want to do their own, but might take them a little while longer. Yeah, exactly right. Now, Colin, if people want to find out about Sheets and Giggles and actually get their own set, where can they go? Easy to find. You can Google uh, Sheets and Giggles uh, or you can go to sheetsgiggles.com. Uh, and that's that's it. Real easy. And I've uh, checked out your range and it looks amazing. I, I, I think I'm going to sign myself up. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, I've got one final question for you, Colin, before you go. Uh, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Um, I'll, I'll, you know, let's talk not, not bed sheets, not fabrics, mm. not textiles. Let's talk, um, uh, politics, you know, with, with me, I'm a real political guy and, you know, I, I, my politics kind of funnels through <clears throat> how can we help people? And, um, you know, Australians have, have, a lot of privileges that Americans don't. And I, w- I would love to see an American healthcare system that more closely mirrors Australia's healthcare system. Uh, you know, I've got buddies who have had premature babies who have walked out of the hospital, hundred thousand dollars in debt. Um, you know, I friends who have uh, had almost died because they refused to call an ambulance because an ambulance ride $2,000 here in the States to go to the hospital. Um, so that, that's, something that's always on my mind. And right now I'm lobbying for uh, Colorado public option to, you know, give people some type of, you know, safety net coverage. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, and I, w- I wish I could wave a magic wand and make medical debt, which is probably a funny term for Australians, mm. but um, a huge amount of Americans have medical debt. It's the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States is medical debt. Um, I would love to eliminate that as a concept. And to do so, speaking about ethics, I would love it if privatized campaign finance was outlawed and there was no private funding of campaigns or politicians ever allowed again, because you are basically saying that a multi-trillion dollar industry and the insurance industry here in the States and the hospitals, which are, you know, seven out of 10 hospitals in the United States are owned by private equity funds, um, and uh, you're you're basically saying that, all right, these these politicians who are funded by these people 
have to take away an enormous revenue stream for the good of the U.S. population. And it'll just never happen. And so I know Australia also struggles with some political corruption. And so uh, I would really like to see private money removed entirely from the system. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Imagine if that money was placed into the into medicine instead of anywhere politicians' pockets. Seriously, anywhere, yeah, <clears throat> anywhere. And 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 it's you know you're basically asking the the you've got you've got a bunch of people that are on the take <laughs> who have to make it illegal. So it's you know mm. it's a really difficult problem to solve. Uh, but uh, you know that's my number one thing when I vote is is does this person take corporate money? And uh, if not, then I feel like I can I can trust them. And I think it's it's, you know, reached a boiling point in the United States. I mean, that's the whole reason why, you know, Donald Trump won the presidency, in my opinion, is, um, you know, people were were, you know, ready to overturn the apple cart just to, you know, have some type of change. Um, And uh, 84 percent of Americans think that money has too much influence in politics. And so that's my biggest thing from an ethical perspective. So those are the two answers I give and have nothing to do with fabrics. Or- <laughs> and that's completely fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I could not agree more. And we, yes, are so, so fortunate um, here in Australia to have, um, you know, Medicare and, and the systems that we do, you know, that we can we can Jealous. call an ambulance <laughs> if we need one and it's actually funded through other systems. So, Yeah. So jealous, and and, <laughs> and and it's hard. It's hard because you like, you know, it's funny. You grow up and you hear about you hear about you know your little kid, and you hear about North Korea, and you you think you think God, how could how could people believe all that stuff? How could a whole society be indoctrinated in a certain direction, a certain way? And then you get then you get older, and you look around, and you go, Oh no! Like you realize you're like. You, you know, and I know people can disagree with me and like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty open guy in terms of like happy to, to discuss the merits of any particular thing that I think is worthwhile and, and worth chasing. And people tend to not want to discuss too much anymore these days. They, they want to, you know, get mad at each other. But for me, I think it's a worthy goal to, to say, Hey, we, do you want people to go bankrupt from cancer? Like, no. All right. Well, let's, you know, figure it out because the current system that's happening and, um, you know, my, my father's got cancer and my, my, uh, my uncle and, um, people in my family right now are struggling with it. And, and, uh, so, you know, um, it's definitely top of mind for me right now. Yeah. And I, I can so relate with you. I've been there too, um, Colin. So, you know, to have to have that burden on top of, you know, an illness is just, just Great. so wrong, you know, <laughs> and it's, and it's, and it's, and yeah. And you, and you could talk to Australians and, they're like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? What does that even mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess to some degree we do, you know, depending the systems that you choose here, you do sure. you do also pay. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, America really needs to address, I think, because, um, my goodness, the impact I, it's I got, a, I got a friend who has a daughter who was born, born with diabetes and um, she had to do a fundraiser because she couldn't afford the insulin for, <laughs> for her daughter. And I'm like... <laughs> and, pe- and people will argue with you with a straight face that the u.s has the best medical outcomes or or whatever it is and look i got friends who are incredibly talented doctors and i'm not saying that the united states doesn't have some of the mm. best doctors in healthcare in the world but like in terms of the best outcomes or the you know uh, i don't know my my friend having to do a fundraiser for her daughter's insulin doesn't 
scream best outcome mm. to me. And these so, are in first world yeah. countries. It's it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely Nuts. crazy. Nuts, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then and then, and then you know if a, if a hedge fund goes under because a bunch of guys on Reddit decide to buy the GameStop stock, oh. the government the government will immediately say, "Oh, we 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 got you. Don't worry, we'll bail you out. Like, don't worry." Isn't about it, it crazy? Like, <laughs> Absolute craziness. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. The world we live the world we live in, Bindi, is uh, a crazy place. And I I just appreciate that, you know, you've got this podcast where people can talk about stuff like this openly. And I hope, you know, I hope your listeners are all people who are um I think I'm pretty sure they're all people who are, you know, um being agents of change in the world. Love your t shirt, by the way. Thank you. You Uh, can get them online. (laughs) Yeah. And that's and that's really the thing is I is in the US they've got this thing where and I'm sure it's Australia too. They've got this thing where, you know, they make consumers feel bad about their consuming decisions, right? The plastic industry will say, it's not the plastics. Are you recycling them? Are you recycling your plan? And right. They make you, they put the mm, burden on, on the individual person. Mm. It's a psychological warfare type of type of tactic. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not Coca-Cola, the industry it's, you know, are you recycling your cans or are you, you know, da-da-da. and so, um, you know, I think the thing with me though is that while I don't want to make people feel bad ever about their individual decisions, I do believe there's a lot of power mm. in individual decisions in 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 you know coordinated consumer action. So when you go to the grocery store, you know, make the less plastic decision. When you when you are shopping for items, buy the goods that are you know more ethically produced if it's if it's affordable to you. Um, and you know, over time when you have millions of people, not, you know, you don't need people to live perfectly. You need millions of people to live imperfectly. And when people are making those decisions broadly across a population, that's when the consumer trends report comes out. And that's when CEOs sit up and pay attention. It's okay. We have to make some of these changes if we're going to keep up with trends. And so I, I don't want to shame anybody with any decisions they ever make, you know, you, you do you and, and you've got to live your life. Um, but there is a lot of power in, in that decision-making over time. And that's it. You know, it's about empowerment. And my whole um, mission behind this podcast is, is just my little way of pushing people to make that collective change. And if, and if we all make a change or if, if we just listen to this and we decide to make a change by just buying some different bed sheets, imagine if your friends then learn about the impacts of just making that change and they did it too and then someone else did it so it's that ripple effect of what word of mouth of what i do today impacts your tomorrow so that's what this is all about and bindi you've got to talk to my my girlfriend she's got a a sustainability podcast um that's uh it's it's about eco-friendly homes it's actually called eco-friendly homes and and it's a i just bought this house it's my first house i ever bought and so her, her focus is similar to, mm. to mine in the sense of, you know, when you're selecting your, your paints, your, your flooring, uh, your, you know, your cabinets, your countertops, uh, your landscaping, right. Going zero landscaping, like the zero scape landscaping versus the grass. Um, you know, when you're thinking about your, your home decor. So that, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot with the new home. And I totally agree that that ripple effect is so huge. And so you, you guys should totally talk. You yeah. guys should, um, do a do a co-interview or something yeah <laughs> yeah yeah sounds yeah. good she'd, she'd, she'd love to meet you that your your <laughs> podcast is right up her alley i'll tell her all about it awesome 
Well, Colin, I could talk to you all day. Um, obviously, uh, we are so on the same page. And um, thank you so much for being a part of the Ethical Evolution. Thank you for starting the Ethical Evolution podcast and for having people on. And um, I hope your listeners enjoyed this. And uh, if anybody ever wants to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn too and pretty easy I get a hold of. But thank you, Bendy. I appreciate you doing this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.